she was the type of person that saw potential in me and before that I was kind of not really thinking of myself in that way but she was just so encouraging and I think you always need someone like that that sees something in you that you maybe necessarily don't see it at that point in time but she always told me that I was made for good things in life and I'm going to do amazing and I just still remember that because that was back in university so like years have passed and I still remember her kindness and how sweet she was and she was always encouraging me. Hello friend and welcome back to another installment of Do I need school to be? A podcast about creative education where me, Alex, is going to interview people in the creative field and ask them about their education because we're all different and we all learn different ways. And yeah, I want to learn. I want to know who, at the who, the what, the when, the where, all the things you need to know to be in the creative field or be creative inside your own field. On today's episode, I am going to be talking to Rabia, who is a UX designer and educator on entrepreneur. She's all the things and more. And yeah, to be honest, for a while, I really thought that UX was 100% digital, but it's not. Yeah, I was some days old when I realized that UX was not only digital and what it was really about. And in this episode, we get to the core. Like she explains it in her own words about what UX design is, how she got into the field, and now her newest venture, which is Techcelerator, which actually teaches people how to use UX principles and how to get into the field, which will help them improve their lives. It's pretty cool, right? Okay, let's go to my conversation with Rabia. And we're recording. Hi, Rabia, how are you today? I'm fantastic, how are you? Um, very good. It's been a busy but productive Tuesday, so I'm happy about that. How is everything all the way in the other continent? Where this is a transcontinental conversation. I love these. This is the power of internet that you can really have conversations with so many different like people from so many different parts of the world. Um, so yeah, Canada is good. We are having really nice weather these days in Toronto. It's nice and summery and just like perfect t-shirt weather, as I like to call it, where it's not too hot, not too cold. So that's like just the best thing because we get like winter nine months out of the year. We're starved for sunshine and just feel so good. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. This is uh, great. So we met on Clubhouse and I really love the content you're putting out. I've taken webinars with you and joined your live. So it's it's great. And I, I'm very happy that you're here and that you're going to bring that energy to the podcast. So um, start telling the audience, please, uh, who you are and what you're currently working on. Yeah, so my name is Rabia. Uh, my background is in product design. Um, I am also an agency owner, so we help other businesses with their digital experiences. And I am also a um, owner for Techcelerator Academy, where we host workshops to basically teach people. So if you are not ready to get the work done through us, we're here to educate you on how you can get your presence online and build your um, network really through doing all of that. Sounds great. And how did you get into this? Uh, we have had conversations before about your background and how you went into UX design. And we have talked about boot camps and all kinds of education when it comes to a creative profession. So how did you get here? What was your path like? 
So my path, and it still is very much meandering. It's not something that has been static in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so going back to high school days, I was thinking that I would be like, when I was trying to decide on what to do for university, um, it was really business was the most logical thing to do. And um, that's what my dad said. He's like, okay, you know what? This is a safe way. Like you'll always have business opportunities, quote unquote. Um, and it, he was right. Like there's always um, businesses around. You always have that as a very strong business uh, background and I think that has really helped me throughout my career. After uh, graduating university, I started working in the corporate sector, which was very fantastic. I really did enjoy it. I think it really does give you that experience of polishing your communication skills, working as part of teams, really taking leadership. There's so many things that come with part of um, just being in that environment that's very structured. But I was always itching for something more and I was wanting something different. I wasn't the type of person that could be um, put in a box or um, someone who was okay with just kind of doing the same things over and over again. And I'm not trying to knock anyone down or in any way. Like I know this is not something that works for everyone, but I've just always been a very restless soul. <laughs> so I'm always curious. I'm always looking to learn. Um, so for me, it just didn't feel like it was a very good fit for my personality and for others it totally can be so I don't want this to be something that okay it's right for everyone to kind of just go out and do their own thing because I totally see the value in the corporate world and making all of that work it can be totally for you if you're the type of person that is a good personality match for that but for me I wasn't really a good match for that so I was like, okay, let's see. So after um, corporate world, I worked in the humanitarian sector for a little bit. I moved abroad to Pakistan for about two years, which was really exciting. I got to reconnect with my family. Um, you know, it was something that like my grandma was actually really ill at that time. So we wanted to kind of be there for her. Um, and there was just personal reasons for moving back home for a little while. But it also actually turned into a really fantastic opportunity. I got to work with... Um, uh, on projects with United Nations and USAID and really got to work in the humanitarian sector, kind of go out of my own bubble of living in Canada and growing up in my um, in Toronto. Uh, it just opened up my eyes to so many different things that were happening around the world. When you're working on a project um, on such large scales, uh, it really does open up your eyes to so many different things that are happening around the world. So it was really good. I worked there for about two years. Um, so I actually worked on two different projects um, and great opportunities. I really enjoyed working with the team that was there um, and just the opportunity to be able to kind of use all this technology. So that was kind of my first, I guess you can say, moving into the technology side of things um, because that project was very data-driven. So essentially what we were doing was, so there were two projects, both of them were similar in nature, um, but what ended up happening was that, um, so they were data driven in the sense that we were basically collecting information from all of our partners on the ground, uh, different charities that we work with, different organizations, putting it all together and visualizing that data for decision-making purposes. And then actually going there and presenting it to very senior management and um, government officials and speaking to different um, parties that are involved in that process um, and just sharing our findings. So that was really exciting. And I kind of got to be at the center of that. I got to meet like really cool people that were <laughs> in these exciting roles. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. But what opened up my eyes was the fact that 
I realize how powerful technology is. You can really use it in so many different ways to connect with people. You can do some good with that. Um, and just like with any other tool, you do have the positives and the negatives. Sometimes it works, sometimes it just lets you down. But overall, it was a good experience. So after that experience, I came back to Canada after about two years. I was trying to figure out like what the next steps are. So with that, I was like, okay, you know what? I wanted to start my own business. Um, and Shopify was really coming out at that time as a platform. I wanted to check it out. I went through this whole self-taught route for a little bit. So for anyone who's going through that, I can totally relate to the self-taught journey as well. Um, because I did that for a couple of years. And it was really interesting. I learned how to use like Shopify, all of the Adobe Suite, Illustrator, Photoshop, all of that fun stuff. Like I kind of Googled my way through learning how to put together an online store, um, marketing it, bringing on partners. So it was a really cool experience. But then I got to a certain point where I felt like I needed to learn more about how to make these um, experiences better and how to take your business to the next level. And me being the curious soul that I am, I decided to go back to school and um, take a boot camp, which was a three-month boot camp. It was for design, um, for UX UI design. And that's where I kind of, I would say, officially transitioned into UX UI design because this was something that I was trying to figure out for my own business and I wanted to make sure that I was doing a good job there um, and I wanted to learn it. So once I learned it, all these opportunities started to come my way, which I was not expecting, which was really super exciting. Um, a lot of people that are in my network, like family and friends, reached out, helping them with the, their websites, trying to help them with their online needs. And that was really exciting. And after a little while, I started to formalize it. Um, I took some freelance projects. I worked for some corporate clients. And then after that, it was really just starting my own agency because it was starting to bring in enough business that now I had to hire more people and get that support that I needed. So that has been my journey from zero tech to agency owner. <laughs> and now I'm at a point where recently I have launched Tech Accelerator Academy, where we're teaching others how to go through this whole journey. So that has been my story so far. Wow. What a tale. <laughs> it's, so I, I need a second. <laughs> what a tale. It, it's. I think it's the epitome of being curious about the world and just following your curiosity. And I love that. And for those in the audience who are not sure what UX and UI design is, could you explain it real quick, like in 30 seconds? Yeah, for sure. So I like to think of user experience design and user interface design. So that's what UX and UI stand for. Um, the easiest way of kind of imagining it is if you were to if you were, were to imagine a house, right? So anything that is um, structural in the house is your UX. So anything like your walls, anything that is like foundations, all of the structure of the house, um, that, that is the UX part of it. So that's what we think about it from the user experience is like, how is someone going up the stairs or how are they going from one room to the next? All of those hallways and the paths that are leading you from one thing to the next are really your user experience. And what is your user interface? Interface is how you like interact with the the outside of the walls would be like, what are the paintings that you have on the wall? Or what is the aesthetics or the things that make it look beautiful? So 
I'm sure you would have noticed a difference between something that's very well designed um, by an architect. Um, it's a beautiful living space and someone has put a lot of thought into where every little element goes of like where the sofas go, where the windows are, where the lighting is. All of those things are very strategically put in place. And that's what makes that whole experience of being in that room so amazing, right? It's the same for digital experiences. So every little thing um, not just structurally has to be thought through, but also from like aesthetically, because if something just doesn't look nice from the outside, nobody's going to spend the time to go through it um, and actually, you know, experience the rest of it because it just doesn't look nice. And there is a beauty bias, unfortunately. People want to look at beautiful things and people want to experience beautiful things. So we try our best to make those experiences as, as delightful as possible. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> That's perfect. And uh, to add to that, I would just like to say that because it's something that I learned recently, I thought that UX was completely digital, but you can also design UX, you had design user experiences in a non-digital medium. For sure. And I was like, oh, really? I can. It's like, for example, how somebody experiences a restaurant. Like when you walk in, you can see very beautiful things, but do you know where to go? Mm -hmm. I, I love to explain it with um, the icons in the bathroom. If nobody understands them, that's terrible user experience because nobody knows what they are. Yes. It's like, am I a meatball? Am I a noodle? What do they mean? It, it could be both. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, no, 100%. There is just so much more to that whole space. And really, this is something that impacts not just the digital spaces. Like, there's also... Uh, other parts of user experience design. So service design, for example, is kind of what you're referring to. Um, there is um, uh, customer experience part of that as well. So if you like to think of like Apple, for example, they have their digital world and then they have their physical stores and the whole unboxing of the Apple products experience. Like you want to think about every step of the way, right? Like we as user experience designers kind of focus just only on the digital world, but definitely there's more parts to this um, whole user journey or experience because like I, Apple has done a good job of really thinking through every element of how it all ties together the whole brand um so you know how they have a lot of white space and they use it very strategically on their online um stores and, um like online presence and they do the same with their physical locations as well you'll get a lot of glass a lot of things are very clear they have good lighting so that sort of experience is also replicated in their physical stores um and same with that like unboxing experience you have that box that like really crisp and like just everything is so perfectly placed and you want to just that take the stickers off and you're like ah oh, this is so it's good a little, <laughs> it's a little bit too tight so you pull it out carefully and that no matter what you do you cannot open up apple product quickly mm -hmm. it has to open slow to like to that build up of expectations it's an experience <laughs> Exactly. I keep saying that regardless how you feel about Apple, that experience, it's very unique. And that has, we have to give them credit for that. Yeah, no, Apple has done a lot of things well, I think, over time. Uh, and if you read like Steve Jobs, um, like book and his biography and stuff like that, he was the type of person he's like, he really wanted to think through everything. Um, and I think one that is coming to my mind is about um, being a carpenter, right? So he was the type of person if he was a, his dad, dad was a carpenter, uh, but he would actually do the backs of 
um, you know, whatever he was building. Um, so if he's building a cabinet, for example, he will do the parts, um, like he will paint the parts or he will varnish the parts or whatever it is that no one is ever going to see. So he's like, it doesn't matter if nobody's ever seeing that little bit you want to think about the whole thing and you want to give it a lot of love in a way and you want to make sure that it is something that is really well thought through so that level of like putting your heart and soul into it it kind of does show in the products that are apple products because they're very well thought out nothing is there like just by mistake or just for the sake of being there everything is very intentional and i think that's part of the reasons the reason for why these products do so well and same with their services i think a lot of it is very well thought through yeah and now back from our little detour <laughs> into, um so i would love to hear uh through this journey through these it, it has been a very interesting journey very diverse that touching a lot of aspects um have you had any teachers that left a mark in you that when you're doing something you hear their voices in the back of your head Yes, quite a few. I've always been a big um, believer of connecting with people who are ahead of me or people who are doing well in life so I can just kind of replicate that. I've always found it very fascinating that you can kind of, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Success always leaves clues. Um, and when you have mentors in your life, uh, you have people like that that you kind of look up to, be it someone who's like physically like close to you, like a teacher, or someone who is like, you can read biographies and you can read about people or listen to podcasts there's just so many different ways where you can get that knowledge um yeah I have quite a few I would I'd like to mention one of my university teachers uh she is shout outs <laughs> shout outs uh so Julia Richard Dr. Julia Richardson she was absolutely amazing and um you know just she was the type of person that saw potential in me and before that I was kind of not really thinking of myself in that way but she was just so encouraging and I think you always need someone like that that sees something in you that you maybe necessarily don't see it at that point in time but she always told me that I was made for good things in life and I'm going to do amazing and I just still remember that because that was back in university so like years have passed and I still remember her kindness and how sweet she was and she was always encouraging me and I like she was I would say one of my most favorite people on the face of the planet because she's so amazing um so she was one I've had quite a few actually I want to also say like Mr. Clark was my grade eight teacher he was the first person I would say actually was you know what he just encouraged me so much because I had moved from Pakistan to Canada when I was first uh, in grade seven and grade eight, like I was kind of in that transition period. So I came like at the end of grade seven and moved to grade eight. Um, but he was always so encouraging. Like he never made me feel like, oh, I didn't know how to do anything or I didn't know how to like, it just makes such a huge difference on a child psychology when you make them feel like they can do anything they want. Right. Um, so I think that sort of encouragement, I've really been fortunate enough to have in my life. And I think that's part of the reason for why I feel like I can take the biggest jumps and I'll be okay. Because I've had people in my life that have shown me that I can do it. And I don't want to forget my dad here, because he would be the first person who has always, always, always been my mentor and my teacher in every single way, because he has had the most amount of patience for me in his life. I've just like, there's just no amount of gratitude that you can have for someone who just encourages you to do what you, whatever you put your mind to. And is there for you no matter what, like they'll catch you if you fall sort of situation. So that's the type of like 
I've really been blessed. I know this is not something that's very common to have people like that, that are so loving, so caring in your life. But when it comes to teachers and mentors, I think those are a few that pop into your head right away. That's amazing. I love it. I, I can feel like people <laughs> listening to this being like, oh, yeah, that's so nice. And yeah. I, I totally agree. Like having those presence in your life that, you know, like, okay, the second that you doubt yourself, you're like, no, but this person believes in me and a certain level of admiration for them. Yeah. Like if, if this person believes in me, then I must have something. Yeah. There must be something in me. If, if this person I respect yeah. believes in me, yes. it's, and And it's not about the, it's about the quality. It's not about the numbers. Unlike in social media, which is about the amount of likes that you get. In this case, about who is this person and what connection do we have? That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, I think for me that it has been really the biggest thing. And then you want to prove them right. Like you, I can't tolerate not making them right. <laughs> like that's part of the motivation for why I do a lot of the things I, that I do is because I know they have, you know, this understanding of me or like of my potential or the things that I can do in my life. So I work really hard to make sure that I am actually reaching that potential and making them proud and doing whatever is in my power to make sure that I'm I'm, I'm living up to that potential that people see in me. Of course. of course, of course. That's great. Living up to the potential. Yes. And And now you have gone into this journey of starting to accelerate academy. How did you decide that you wanted to do that? Were you always thinking about taking the educational route or was it a business decision? How do you, how did that start for you? So Techcelerator kind of um, came out organically. So I've always been someone who is a big believer in education. I really do believe in empowering others. Um, and that do doesn't just come from me, but it comes from my family as well. Going back to my dad and my grandpa, like they've always been very encouraging of education, something that really can pull you out of any situation is if you have your brain, really, and if you know how to use that, right? So Um, there, there are a lot of people who would be like, you know, why do you always keep going back to school and spending so much money? And like, you could have bought this and you could have bought it like these things and you could have done this. It would have been a much better investment. Um, but I really am a strong believer in investing in myself. And I, that's part of the reason for why I think Accelerator Academy is so near and dear to my heart is because I want people to have those tools to be able to, you know, make their lives better. If it helps you change your life's trajectory in a positive way, where say you move into a different career. So say you move into UX UI design and now you're making a lot more money than you were before and it's changed your life, not only your life, but also the life of your family. I'd be very happy. Like it's the impact. And I want to especially encourage this for girls and for women because tech has this like really scary sort of um you know just thinking uh, uh, where people feel like it's very male dominated and girls can't really survive in this space and that's not true like this space has been like this for forever it still is very male dominated yes it's true but i would say don't be hesitant like there's so many opportunities especially in the digital world for women to go out and do their own things so That's part of the reason for why I do love um, this project and something that I'm very passionate about because I want to give people the tools to be able to change their lives. If you have an idea, if you have a business you want to start, I want to give you the tools to be able to do that. Um, and that 
to me, I think is really powerful to have that impact, not just on yourself and your own life, but also on the life of others. Once you've learned that skill, you can also teach that to others. You can also have that impact on others. So to me, that's really powerful. It is. I think it's also so powerful how you're putting education, not only as certification or as something that if you want to have a career in this, thinking that it's also a tool to give your family a better future. Yeah. And especially for people of color. Yes. In case that maybe they felt like these avenues were close to them and just spreading the message that they are open, like there are places that you can learn all these skills. Yes. And I have to say that I love also the courses that you have available. I You had one even about accessible design with uh, Catarina Rivera. And I thought that was great because there isn't enough of that. Yeah. That's that's the second course. that there, There's one that I know of that is, I think, a week's, it's a, it's a week, it's a, it's a week of content, but, and, and then yours, and that, that's it, and there's this huge hole yeah. in the accessibility, in, in bringing accessibility into design spaces. Yeah, and it, it's sad to see, uh, I was speaking to Katarina, and that kind of grew out very organically, and I think Clubhouse kind of played a role in that as well, because every time we would have a room around accessibility, around diversity, and inclusion, Uh, there was just so much engagement. So it just showed us that people were like dying to talk about these topics. There just wasn't enough information on there. Uh, And then we had our first, um, you know, accessibility and UX UI design um, workshop uh, at the end of last month, which was on the 29th of June. Um, And we received amazing response that we had corporate uh, clients that came out to actually attend the events, which was really exciting to see. Uh, You know, there are companies that are looking to get all of their staff trained so I was like, yay, this is so exciting. Um, and there were individuals who wanted to kind of participate in this as well. So I think there is definitely more need for um, education around accessible design. And um, I'm looking to partner up with more people as well. Bring in your experiences. This, to me, Textilerator Economy is not just about me doing my thing. It's really to bring in all the talent from people who have experience, who have uh, knowledge in different spaces, and how can we leverage that and teach others and give them the tools to be able to make their lives better. That's beautiful. And when did you start Textilerator? Textilerator Academy? Academy is like a three month old project, and I've been kind of, I've been planning it for a while. So it it has been planning for uh, like since the beginning of the year, but officially launch wise, it's very very recent. And a lot of it just came very organically because people were asking for these things, right? Um, I get messages like the more I've been active on social media, I get messages on LinkedIn, Instagram, Clubhouse, like these conversations have really been the catalyst for like, this is something that people are looking for. The other one that I'm planning out uh, in the near future is going to be coming out in the in the beginning, the first week of August is are going to be around how to start your uh, agency, which is the going through the journey of like, if you're a freelancer, if you're working um, on your own, how do you scale that to be more of a business uh, that can help you kind of, you know, have that, uh, how do you build a team? How do you put those SOPs and standard operating procedures? Um, and I'm partnering up with Ari. She's amazing. She's an agency owner as well. We would come together. We're going to be talking about how to kind of 
build that foundation that you need to be able to kind of take your business to the next level. And same thing, a lot of this is coming very organically from what people are asking for. How do you get leads for your business? This is another one that I'm trying to um, work on is like, this is a problem that pretty much every designer has pretty much every like every business has. How do you get more customers? How do you do that? So we're going to be sharing a lot of what we've learned along the way and host these workshops to kind of help you guys in taking your business to the next level. Yeah. And I have to say like you, to me, in my perspective, at least for what I consider a good teacher, you're an excellent teacher. I love Mm -hmm. the amount of opportunities you give in, in, in a space, in a webinar for feedback, for questions. It's not just, uh, let me give you, and I've talked about people before. It's so annoying when you go to a webinar and they give you a 10 minute introduction into the problem and into who they are and why they are the best people to solve it. 10 minutes of content and then 30 minutes of selling you something else. Mm-hmm. I personally hate that. It feels predatory to me. But in in your case, they're constantly asking, okay, let's get engaged. Do you guys have questions? Do you, everybody understands this? How do we approach this? And everything is very digestible. Yeah. And that just shows that you have a mastery of the topic and the speakers that you bring are also people who want to be there they're not looking to just make a quick buck it's want to spread information which i love i personally really appreciate that awesome i'm so glad you enjoyed it thank you so much for the positive feedback that's amazing good to hear and with all these avenues and with the accelerator academy and your work where do you see creative education going because we are far away from the days of I want to learn how to sculpt. I'm going to go chase Michelangelo around and hope that he takes me on. And where do you see it going? Do you think there is more interaction or that we need that face-to-face or especially in digital, maybe not, but still that human connection. Do you think it can ever be replaced by something like an AI? I don't think it will completely be replaced. I do see that the face of education is changing. Uh, I've always been a big proponent of like education and going to university. I've literally been to every university in like the GTA and surrounding areas for (laughs) some sort of a program workshop, like literally every school knows who I am. (laughs) So I've always been a big fan of that, but I, I do also start, I have noticed that there is a big gap between, um, the traditional education system and where or the type of skills that the world needs today, especially when it comes to digital skills. And creative um, careers and creative businesses are in de- more in demand today than they were ever before. Um, and it is going to continue to grow. And I think the pandemic, as bad as it as it been for so many different things, like I know so many lives have been impacted in so many different ways negatively but one thing that has come out of that is the demand for digital skills and digital careers um just because we were forced to kind of move online and pretty much every business regardless of if you were a barbershop or a salon owner or whatever it is that you were you have had to find out a way for you to be able to survive and a lot of that transition had to be done digitally because we couldn't physically get into stores um and that has completely kind of shifted in a very short amount of time so a year a year and a half now um the way like the demand for digital careers has exploded really um and it's so exciting to kind of see how this is going to be the new face of education in so many different ways like it's great to have like i don't think you can replace becoming a doctor by just 
practicing online, there's still a room for that um, traditional, um, you know, education. There are still careers that you will probably still have to go to school for, and it's totally cool. But when it comes to this space, the digital space specifically, I think the traditional education system is really falling behind on that. And that's part of the reason for why I'm doing like this whole work on my end or whatever that I can do is to be able to educate people. Like there's just so much happening in the space and the demand is so high right now um, that more and more people need to be able to get trained on this. And if you look at the numbers, I don't know if you've done any research around this. I have because I was trying to figure out um, this whole space. But uh, in the UK, there's like two out of three people don't have uh, digital skills to be able to keep their job in the near future like by 2030 so it's huge numbers that's a lot of people that need to be digitally trained a lot of people are still living in the last century but the change has come so quickly in the last 20 to 25 years I would say now since I guess we were kind of growing up um just imagine I don't know if you like I don't know how old you are but like for me I remember um going from like we used to have MSN like I still remember when I was in elementary school we had MSN and the the dialogue the the buzzing people oh my god the buzzing was so annoying and we had but it was it was everything it was I want to buzz somebody I'm gonna annoy the life out of them so like going from that where there was like barely any technology available to now where you're living in a digital world everything around you is so digital the pace of change has been so dramatic I don't think something like this has ever happened before and if you think of like our parents generation like they didn't used to have radios (laughs) like radios came in their lifetime tvs came in their lifetimes then the internet came in their lifetime and now we are living in this crazy world and i'm like i i I can't like wrap my head around how your brain is still functioning because so much change has happened in the last like 60 years or so and i think a lot of that has been really in the last 30 years if you really want to think about it so it's absolutely insane you know, uh, really funny, like to give context to the younger listeners, yeah. I asked my parents the other day, what's the deal with mixtapes? Like, why are mixed? Because to me, it feels like making a playlist. It's very easy. It just like you just click through them and say like you just click through them. Yeah. And the mom was explaining to me how um, when she wanted to make a mixtape for my dad, <laughs> it's like you're driving around, you take a blank cassette, you put it in the cassette recorder, you hear the song that you like, and you're like, oh, yeah, this, record. And then pray to God that the anchor, the radio anchor, is not going to say a message or say like Radio Exa or something <laughs> like that that ruins the song. And then if they do, you have to be like, oh, God damn it, I have to return the tape to the exact point to fix it mm-hmm. and the amount of effort that the struggle was real romance was way harder right than back then it's like, now what? you just forward the song to the person you like so that's just to give context to people i love telling uh, my little cousins in ecuador when i go or my nieces and nephews and i tell them did you know that once upon a time we didn't have cell phones. They're like, what? And I was like, yeah. And the internet wasn't in the air. You had to actually be connected to a computer. Mm-hmm. And I played them the sound from the internet from the 90s. <laughs> They're like, what's happening? Is it broken? Yes. Um, no, that's funny. I just like, even within our lifetime, so much has changed. So the dial-up tone was like what my elementary school kind of reminds me of. Um, because that's what we would do. We would run home from 
you know, our class and this is what it would be like, just get on the messenger and like message your friends. Um, so yeah, that and has... Then someone, and then someone calls and the internet connection falls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus, yes. what a time to be alive. Oh my God, we've seen so much change in our lives, but it's really interesting. But yeah, the newer generation does not understand the struggle of any of that. No, but it then it gets worse. It's like uh, my dad was talking to me about how, like I remember just if I had homework, I would just like, still, I could still go on Google and just Google what I had, what I needed. My dad was like, no, you had to go to get an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And actually go to the library. <laughs> like, what is go to that? The library. Or you had to go buy these like sheets that you bought at the store. And she's like, oh, I need the sheet uh, 37 made by this person. And it was just like a, a, a spreadsheet of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. How, how did you? But that took effort. That took like courage. I get what people didn't want to do homework back then. I respect I that it. so much. I respect the people who went to school, like the generation before us. Uh, for us, it was kind of a mix. It wasn't like completely that level of struggle. <laughs> I think I kind of grew on the edge of when it started to get easy. Like we did have internet. I did have a high school, like a laptop in my high school. So we were kind of on the edge of that world. But I think the previous generation just, I don't know how they did anything. Um, But here we are. (laughs) I'm curious about how it's going to go in the next one, because I see my less than one-year-old nephews who like have a phone in their face from the second they were born they were taking pictures from the second they were born pictures of them they were not taking them they're not prodigies Mm -hmm. but or my niece who is um five months old now and she just has a phone stabbing her in her face to show her videos and stuff like that so i'm very curious about how the future is going to shape and if they're going to be ready for a future in which they have they need more human interaction that yeah and i to stay in topic and like stay out of memory lane for a second. I think I love what you said about the need for digital skills. Mm-hmm. I think especially because it comes to how are you supporting people who don't have the digital skills? Mm-hmm. So for example, a baker during the pandemic, what could they have done if they have all these products? What's a digital avenue to bring that product to customers mm-hmm. and figuring out those solutions. I think creative problem solving is something that's going to come in the near future mm-hmm. with courses like with courses online or 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 face to face learning about other markets learning about different user groups that are not like our, like uh, like us mm-hmm. and that need those supports yeah no you're speaking of uh, bakers and it's really interesting um one of our family friends uh she is just in university now i think she's in first or second year Um, But she started her own baking business from her, um, you know, her kitchen and uh, she built her online uh, presence. And now she's getting like she's literally paying for her college or like university education through, um, you know, baking. And it is so amazing to see because like the only thing that we had when we were kind of in that uh, place was really to go out and get a part time job. A lot of kids are not doing that anymore. Kids are getting very creative with how they're earning money um, for, you know, something like that. And over the last year, I've seen her Instagram account grow like crazy. Uh, all of us get all of our big goods from her because she's absolutely amazing and we want to support a small business. Um, and she got really creative. And I think that is so amazing. And that's power of digital media and the like tools that are available and it, it doesn't have to be crazy it's something as simple as using your iphone that's all she uses basically yeah to have an online presence and to get orders and she has a very simple website she accepts orders and she's making a lot of money and she's paying her way through college just by 
having this great idea and the skill that she has. So it just the opportunities are endless, especially for women, I think it's just such a phenomenal space to be in. And we kind of don't really put the two and two together. And I really want to encourage women. I'm like, think of the possibilities. There's just so many. The fact that you don't have to like, you know, be in a particular location. Like, I just love the fact that you can be like location independent. Um, And a lot of people are working from home now, which has really given, especially for women, you don't have to have that like traditional nine to five where you have to sacrifice your personal life or you can't spend time with your parents or with your kids or your loved ones. Like all of those things that we used to cry about as women and their careers, I think a lot of those hurdles are being taken away and having a digital career can really put you in that really powerful position um, where you don't have to sacrifice any of your life um, to still have an amazing career. You can still do everything and feel fulfilled because you're still doing amazing things. You're being of service to people and still taking care of your loved ones and being part of that whole experience because you don't want to miss out on that either. I don't believe in compromising on either of those. So That's beautiful and a great way to finish this episode. Thank you so much. It's such a great conversation going deep into your story, into how you got here and to the great work that you're doing. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything you want to promote? Is there, um, it can be anything, it can be your own work, it can be a book, a movie, whatever you want. Just throw it in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if you guys are looking to get in touch with me, uh, definitely get in touch with me for anything related to your online needs. So social media marketing, website design development. And also if you are someone who's looking to grow and learn, Accelerator Academy has a ton of great um workshops that are happening as well so just reach out to me at Rabia Wajiha most of my handles are with my name so LinkedIn Instagram Facebook everywhere you can find me Um, and I'm super excited to get in touch with you all thank you so much I'll put everything in the show notes and like stamp of quality if if I have any stamp of quality I want to like put it right here you are amazing thank you so much for having me And there you have it, friend. Here was my conversation with Rabia. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it because, yeah, it was great. I've been in contact with her for a while now since I joined Clubhouse and I found her Design Talks Club that now has almost daily conversations on the Startup Club Club on Clubhouse. I know I'm using Club way too many times, but it's just like their trademark. Um, But yeah, like I said, I've taken courses with Rabia on Techcelerator and they're super interesting. They're super affordable and very diverse on very diverse topics she worries about getting good speakers and materials and like i said on the pod it's about there's a lot of interactions not just like talking to a recording there's actually an interaction which i personally love so i hope you love them too you'll find the information in the show notes as well as multiple ways to get in touch with rabia and yeah she puts out amazing content i cannot be right again if i have any stamp of certification or approval this would be it Thank you so much for listening again to another episode of the podcast. And I hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to leave us a review or reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. You'll find the links in the show notes as well as the buy me a coffee links in case you want to do that. And yeah, I hope to be in your ears again next week with another interview. Keep learning, stay curious and see you soon. Bye.